0: that wasn't your desire but the truth is fear made you believe it and you've been living that way since and he says if you'll confess that sin to me of believing something contrary to what I say he goes I give you grace and everything from that moment let it die because you'll never put back all the pieces to the broken vase it's not possible but if you'll confess that wrong belief that thing that you bought that lie that felt so real in the moment if you confess it, Lord, forgive me. I believe that instead of just holding fast to what you said. I didn't mean to, Lord, but I did it. He says, let's go back and let's pick up where you left off. Yes. You can't make your person today suddenly achieve all those things back then, but you can let the person today die. And you can go back to where you dropped the accent. 2 Kings chapter 6, you don't have to go there, but it's the story of the sons of the prophet. They ask Elisha, hey, we need to build a new school because there's not enough room for us. And so we're gonna go down to the Jordan and we're gonna cut some wood and come with us. He says, Fine, I'll come with you. And they're chopping the wood, and then one man swings his axe head, and his axe head comes off and it falls right into the river. And the axe head goes down. And he cries out and he says, And I'll just give you the terms. He's like I'm totally freaked out because I borrowed this and I'm in trouble now and I can't fix it and it's ruined and you don't understand. And and we don't know the backstory, but he was scared of somebody doing something. And he was like, You don't understand, it's not mine. I don't and the man of God, Elisha comes up and he says, Where did you drop it? He's like, right there. And then Elisha takes a stick. And he throws a stick in. Which means like this is nothing. Like there? Okay, like calm down. It's a lie. You're not going home without the ax head. Like, calm down. It's a lie, it's just fear. It's fear and pressure and anxiety. It's just, it's not real though. And so I'm gonna take the stick. It's like, let me give you something to put your faith in, okay, that something's happening. Sometimes people need the wave of the hand. They need the punch in the gut. They need the oil on the hands, you know, whatever it is. And he's like, cool, okay, stick. And the ax head floats to the top. And what Elisha is saying, he's like, it's not hard for God to start over. It's not hard for him. It's really not hard for God to start over. It just isn't. And then he tells the man this. He says, pick it up for yourself. Like, just pick it up. He puts the ability to be free back in the man's hands. He says, there it is. That wasn't hard for God. Stop believing the lie that you're going home in trouble. Stop believing the lie that you're going to be in all kind of issues you can't solve. Don't believe the lie. It's not hard for God to start this thing over. Now you choose. Just pick it up. And the man reaches down, he picks up the axe head, and he goes back to cutting wood. Nothing was lost. You say, "Well, that was like he just did it." And then, who knows? They might have argued for six hours. And Elisha is yelling, like, "Just, just pick it! It's not hard for God to start over. It's not." I want to tell you that today. If you'll go back to that moment that hits you so hard, and it felt like everything suddenly was taken from you, right there, say, Holy Spirit, what was the lie I believed? And you'll realize you didn't mean to. But if you can see it, he'll show it to you. He will show it to you. He's so faithful. He'll show it to you. He'll say, Father, forgive me for that. I was wrong. I don't know why I did it, but I, I did. And he in that moment will say, Grace, now forget everything that's happened since then. And he's like, it's not hard for me to get the ax head back. And he's not going to look at you concerning every moment since then. He's like, no, you just opened the door. All this havoc that's been happening was because of that. If we deal with that, forget the rest. And then he says, just pick it up. He's not asking you to take your 2019 person and suddenly do it right. He's asking you to kill your 2019 person and be like, you know what? Forget this old man. Go back to your 2014 or your 2013 or your 2012. Maybe it's 2005. And you're like, yeah, that was where I lost it. Okay, go back and be that person. Subtract the years off your life. I know you heard me say this, you know, Friday, but I'm telling you again because the truth is if 10 years ago you dropped the ax head and you'll realize that you dropped it because you believed a lie and you repent for that and you receive grace on that moment, he will give you grace. He'll say, forget the last 10 years. If you're 40 years old, he'll be like, just start being your 30-year-old self right now. Just, I'm 44, but I'm living 37 now. I'm living 37, I'm 37. You go, why, because seven years ago the enemy threw something at me. But you know, I've been fighting it ever since. And and you just fight through and you confess and you believe and you don't change. But then all of a sudden he said, you know why this has been going on? And I looked at every single, you know, every spider web of the enemy. And I was like, well, it's gotta be this. He's like, no, it's just that one moment that came at you and you believed it. And the moment I confessed, he's like, grace. He goes, now tell your church. That if they went through that, they can get the exact same grace. And I want you to go back and be, if you're 35, you're 30 now. Come on, you're 50, you're 40 now. Whatever it is, pick it up. That's what grace looks like. You say, I can't. That's the devil telling you that because that's against the Word of God. The Word of God says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The Word of God says nothing is impossible for him who believes. Come on, the Word of God says that nothing's impossible with God. The Word of God says every promise of God over your life is yes and amen. Stop believing a lie. You get that Kent devil out of your life. And I'm going to tell you this. You will turn the tables on that devil at the moment you go back and confess that sin. That moment of disobedience. Because all he's been holding over you is that moment. And the moment you shift, he'll still be around. But he no longer has power over you. And every action from that point forward is illegal. So you have a lot of leverage that you lost back then when the blanket hits you. when the, You know, whatever it is. Before I go on, I just want to pray for you. Father, I pray right now, any person in the room that has a moment like that, reveal the lie that was believed. And as they confess it as sin, I thank you for grace being offered. as we receive grace, Lord, we just go back and we live from that place. And we let the person we've become because of that lie it dies right now and we pick up where we were he'll give you freedom right now many people got freedom friday night from this exact thing it was a big shift it's available for everybody now i want to challenge you if you live with somebody that's been going through this, and then they get freedom. You better bless their freedom. Amen. You better bless their freedom. Amen. That means when they step up and they go, well, no, I'm I'm going to do everything God told me to do. You go, then do it. Praise God. I'm with you. Amen. You just start living out like, oh, you're 30 now? Well, okay, I'm 32. Let's do it. Let's, let's flow. That's fine. That's fine. You never again, you point at them. Never again, you poke at them. Because a lot of people... They have somebody they're praying for, they want to get free, but they don't really want them free-free. They don't want them spinning, dancing, backflipping free. I don't want to be embarrassed at Christmas free. No, but what do you want then? Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and, you know, that's, that's a freedom that'll make some people run, okay? Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We're just going to receive it today by faith, and we thank you you're working all things out for our good. Thank you, Lord. The enemy is under our feet, and he's got no chance today. Amen. <laughs> and that, Jesus, you're exalted <laughs> high and above, yeah. high and above it all. Yeah. And we just trust you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you seven things, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. I want to say what I just said again. All the promises of God over your life are yes and amen. I want to give you facts. Today we're completing our teaching, We Speak Faith and Nothing Else. Okay, so today I'm not really focused on the confession. I'm focused on putting some truths in your heart that will make a confession burst, Like, so I'm going to give you some truths about your life that I'm not going to say, okay, everybody, let's say this. I mean, I like meetings like that when we all say we're healed and we all say we're blessed. And I love it. I do. I do. But today I want to give you some truths that you might have forgotten about you, but God has not changed about you. I'm preaching to the born again, the spirit filled, the hungry for God, the Bible believing. I'm not preaching for doubters. I'm not preaching for naysayers. No, I'm preaching for the people that God has said a few things to he's put some stuff inside of you. He's declared and decreed some stuff about your life. In the face of the devil, he said some good stuff about you. Come on, I'm talking to the real thing today. So if God has ever given you a word, it's about to arise again. And so number one, I'm telling you all the promises of God over your life are still yes and amen. You say, well, what does that mean? That means that when you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, you still say that about me? He says, yes. Amen. And then you say, Lord, I'm going to do that. And he goes, amen. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, you gave me a vision a long time ago. Is that still true? Yes. Yeah. Is it all right if I walk out that vision? Amen. Do it. Amen. Yes, yes and amen. Amen. Anything he ever told you about you, he still says yes to it, and he still says amen to it. You will not offend God by trusting his word. You will not bother God by doing his word. Whatever he told you, it actually moves his heart when you obey. I don't know where we get this garbage that because we fail, that somehow we'll hurt God by succeeding. (laughs) Like, oh, I failed. I might bother God if I'm free. I might bother God if I start receiving grace and believing the word of God and walking by faith. That might dishonor him. What do you think? Do you really think that walking by the word of God will dishonor God? Yeah, but I messed up. How do you think he solves it in you? He says, get back on the horse. Like, keep going forward. Like, pick up where you left off. Grab the ax head and start swinging. Elisha never rebuked that man for cutting another tree down. He was like, yeah, get to work, man. All his promises are yes and amen. Go to 1st Timothy chapter 1. Praise the Lord. Yeah, he didn't change his mind about you. See, so yeah, we're starting over. You know, we're going back and we're starting over. Amen. You say that's not possible. Don't you talk about my life. Who do you think you are to tell me that I can't believe God? Cuz in my life that's how it is. We're starting over. You say, well, pastor, you're so holy and righteous and you've never done anything wrong. Really? 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 Okay. I tell you what, on judgment day, see if you can get a seat next to me, you know,
1: We're like, yeah, it's
0: all true. It's all true, man. Like, it's all true. Yeah. What did you do? Grace. i tell you, religion hates grace. The spirit of Jezebel hates gra- hates grace. They hate it when you get grace. They hate it when you get free. They hate it when you start dancing. Or they might not mind it in the meeting, but when you get in the car and you're still hollering, there's a problem, okay? (laughs) When it's Wednesday afternoon and you're still speaking in tongues, they got issues, okay? (laughs) But let me tell you who doesn't have an issue with that, God. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy. According to the prophecies, those would be the promises, prophetic promises, previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare. The prophetic promises of God on your life are your greatest weapons of war. You go, well, what does that mean? It means when fear comes, you confess who God said you are. When trials come, you confess who God says you are. Actually, the best thing you can do in a time of spiritual warfare is start talking out your dreams and visions. Like, like pull out the chart. Lord, you did say this. Thank you. The devil can be like in the process of killing you, you know. And you're like, you know what this moment reminds me of? The time God spoke to me. And he, <laughs> yeah. Because all the enemy wants to do is get your mind off of what God said. Because he knows if you start saying what God said, he's done. And so all the promises, the prophetic words over your life, they are your greatest weapons of war. I dare you right now, say one thing about you that God told you. Come on, say it out loud. Don't mess around. Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. It, just for fun, pick the weakest one. You know, like the one that you're like, I could just never say that. Say that one. Say that one. Yeah, I'm, a, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to the nations and preaching the gospel. You know, like things like that. Yeah, God's called me to be a pastor, be an evangelist, be whatever it is. Yeah, God's called me to be a millionaire. I mean, whatever he told you, you just say it. Those are your greatest weapons. You say, when should I use those? Use them for fun all day. Use them as weapons in the night. I'm just telling you. During the day, you know, dance about your vision. God told me that, you know, I told you Friday night, I said, if you didn't get a breakthrough in the meeting, I said, go home, stare yourself in the mirror and shout and dance, and you can, you don't even have to make, you know, I I tell this to a lot of people, just shout and dance and say, God, you're worthy, and and just start talking to yourself, and God said, and who did it? Some people were waving at me. Yeah, put the hand way up high. Yeah, look at this. They went home, and they were like shouting, and they didn't come out, you know, uh, upset. They were like, okay, that works. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, so during the day, you just shout about what God said about you. Like, bring it up in random conversations. My father, he passed away a few years ago. He liked to preach the gospel all the time, anytime, anywhere, in the most unusual ways. He would use different ways to bring up the gospel. And his favorite thing would be to like go through a drive through This is not a joke. And he really liked Dairy Queen. I don't know what it was. Where are those? You know, but, but he was, oh, we have one here in Hearst, don't we? He had a driven from Fort Worth to go there if he knew there was one. And he would order ice creams, and then when they would bring it to him, he'd say, hey, your name is Cynthia. And then he would say these weird things. He'd be like, I have a daughter. Her name is Susan. You know, and you're like, okay. He's like, guess what she does? And then the verse is like, I don't know. Well, she's she's a nurse, but I have a son. He's a preacher. Yeah, he's a gospel preacher. So am I actually. Have you ever heard the gospel? And then he would go on and tell every story he could think of as long as he could to weave the gospel in. But he would start saying everything we do to do it. It was odd. He would be like, And you know what God's telling my son these days? And do you know what God told me? And he'd say, But you know what? You need Jesus because, you know, this is what God will do with you. Because, you know, I'm about to go preach down here. And he would just start confessing everything he could. So he would just, for fun, I mean, I was at Subway restaurant down here one time with my father, and we sit down, and the worker says, oh, you forgot your change or something like that. And my dad turns and says, thank you. Do you know my son? I'm like, no, I don't. He said, he's a preacher. And he says, we're both preachers. And he begins to confess, and it's like pleasure to his heart to talk about stuff like that. And he's just talking the truth of what, who we are and what we do, and he's just saying it. That was his daytime joy, which tells me I wonder if at night, When the enemy would punch him, he would lay in bed and go, I'm a preacher, and my son's a preacher. And we, we're going to win souls. And we're pastors that God called. I have this thought that my dad would lay down every night because there was a lot coming against him as a pastor. There was a lot attacking him as a preacher. And I just wonder that if he was that joyful in the day telling his testimony, I wonder if at night with his teeth gritted, he was saying the same things out loud. You know what, devil? I'm going to tell you who I am because I'm a preacher and I'm a pastor and my son's a preacher and he's a pastor and we're going to win souls. Because it's when you understand that what God said to you is the great danger zone for the enemy. It's your greatest weapon to declare what God has declared to you. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Are we still here? Did I lose you? Hallelujah. This is the part of the meeting where people start scrambling. That's why I, I ask. Not you, the person next to you. They just start twitching and scrambling and counting things in the room and things like that, you know counting the beads of sweat on the pastor's forehead. You know, it, it happens. People do it. People will do anything to not hear the word. Okay. Ephesians six sixteen. it says, above all, everyone say above all, above all. taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Uh, the shield of faith, the best way I can describe what that means, because these are symbols that have real meanings. Okay. The shield of faith is your greatest protection. The shield of faith is declaring and protecting yourself with what God says. Faith can only come by the word of God. So when he says shield of faith, he's saying hold up what you believe about the word of God. When the enemy attacks you, you hold up the shield of faith. You say, no, God said. And it actually says when you start doing that, it doesn't stop some attacks. It conquers all attacks. When God, now watch this. You say, well, how do I do that? Faith has feet, but faith has a... Voice. I get my stuff by confessing that he gave it to me. Are you understanding this? When God says you're healed, I get healed by saying, I come in agreement with that. I don't have sickness. I don't have disease. He took it all away. I stand in healing. I am healed. And I confess it, and I get what I confess, that you can get what you say. That's a Bible principle, okay? That I don't care what, you know, so-and-so said down the road. They're sick. Don't listen to them. Why would you listen to sick people about healing? Why would you listen to broke people about money? Why would you listen, you know, I would just have lost people about church. Like, give me a break. No, you go to the people that have this stuff and you learn from them. Amen. So you hold up the shield of faith by saying, by confessing, by declaring what God says about you. When you do that, you won't defeat one devil, you'll defeat every devil and every attack from those devils. Because the thing that God has given you is a testimony. He's given you a confession. He's given you a promise. He's given you a word. That's not a small thing to God. When He places a word within you, He declares that word has to work. And he's asking you to work that word. Whatever God said to you, when the dark hours come, you speak what God said. You, above all, hold up the shield of faith. Are you still here? So I'm going to tell you this. When God's promises over you become your language. When God's promises over you become your language, come on, victory is inevitable. When your language becomes who you are. Like when we were doing missions all the time, what do you think I talked about all the time? Missions. Missions. I was counting dollars about missions. I was printing t shirts about missions. I was uh, preaching sermons about missions. If it wasn't in the sermon, I brought up missions. When I was doing uh, the school of gospel preaching for over a year every Thursday night, I'm telling you, all I thought about was how do we win souls? How do we equip people? It became the mission of God in my life, it became the word of God, so it becomes my language. So we come home, it comes up across the table while we're eating anything we could do. So anywhere we went, it would be in the language of, Hi, what's your name? Oh, my name is Cletus. a pastor and a missionary, and I run an organization called MK1615. We send missionaries all over the world. That's what we do. You know, we've gone to over 53 nations in the last few years, and we've won a lot of souls, and it's been really great, and we're doing it again. And then they look at you like you're crazy, and you're like, oh, I couldn't help myself. That's my language. when you give the gospel all the time, you, like my father, you intertwine the gospel with every conversation. And they're looking at you like, how did you, how did you get the gospel out of like, is there any more chicken? You're like, how did you work that in? It's my language. It's the way I interpret things. It's the way I understand things. It becomes my language. Well, when the promises of God over your life become your language, victory in every area is inevitable. I mean, you have to win. In every area, when that becomes your language. Go to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to give you four more. Praise the Lord. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. I'm going to read most of this to 23. Conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Peter gets uh, the prize. And then it says in verse 17, "'Jesus answered and said to him, "'Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, "'for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, "'but my Father who is in heaven. "'And I also say to you that you are Peter.' And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, many times we try to really focus on that wasn't a word to Peter. But Peter's included absolutely in that word. Like, we work so hard to be like, Peter wasn't the first pope. Like, who in the world believes that? Like, give me a break, okay? That he was a Pope Peter. Like, give me, stop, stop, like... Stop all that nonsense, okay? Like, it's ridiculous, okay? Uh, But he was the first apostolic leader of the early church. God gave him a prominent position, and in that position, he carried much anointing and power. Well, here, Jesus gives Peter a word that applies to all of us, but he gives it also directly to Peter, And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Uh, You're blessed of the Father. You heard the Lord. And he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then you go down to verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders the chief priests the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Okay, so this is a moment where Peter steps way out of line and he goes straight from blessing to rebuke. And many times you know who God says you are, you know the plan, and then something happens and you do something stupid and God rebukes you. And then we assume, because we're listening to the wrong voices, that then everything is ruined. But the truth is, Jesus rebuked Satan, but he never changed his promise to Peter. (laughs) When you're rebuked by the Lord, generally, the Lord is trying to rebuke an agreement that you're developing. He's rebuking a devil that you're listening to. He's rebuking an influence that is influencing you. He's rebuking the atmosphere around you. He never once changes his word to you. And I want to say this, correction does not equal catastrophe. Some people are like, well, I got rebuked. You know, the Lord told me this, or the pastor told me this, or I was really happy, then the pastor told me, like, don't do that. And, like, forget everything, you know. And I'm like, what are you smoking? What are you drinking? Who are you listening to? Because, actually, the Bible says if you don't like correction, you're stupid. And so it's not my fault you're stupid, okay? I corrected you because the Lord told me to correct you. You're the one choosing to be stupid. And sometimes God is rebuking the situation. Why would we receive a rebuke, anyways, except for God's trying to protect us from something? When your pastor comes to you and says, don't or do, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to protect you from something I can see that you obviously can't see because if you could see it, you wouldn't do what you're doing. And I come to you to be like, hey, I'm trying to help you out. It doesn't help me for you to get mad. You know, honestly, if I just avoided you, I'd do all right. But the fact that I care about you and I hear the Lord over things about your life and I go, hey, that's dangerous. And I put myself in a vulnerable situation to get yelled at by you or to get, you can walk out of the church because now you've had it. Every church you go to, they rebuke you. Really? Every church you go to, they rebuke you. Common denominator couldn't be you. I mean, I'm just saying. How about we work that mess out? And how about this is the first time you handle it because God is telling me that he's concerned about you and you're not listening, so he told me. I don't know why he does that to me, but I'm following it through. And so don't do it. Be corrected. Corrected. I'm correcting you, okay? I don't know about you, but I want to be corrected. That means you're doing something incorrect and you help correct me. I've never incorrected you, you know. And God is not doing it either. But sometimes in those moments, we assume correction means catastrophe, That's a lie of the devil. Actually, it proves out why you needed to be corrected. Because you're about to go off the hill. You're about to go off into nothing. You're about to follow the enemy. You're about to walk away. And someone stepped in and said, hey, you need to be corrected. And then we get upset. It's not my fault you're stupid. Yeah, I'm quoting the scriptures, bro. Like, you know, it's not my fault. Everyone say, don't be stupid. Okay, correction does not equal catastrophe. If God has to deal with your stuff, he's doing it to help you. He doesn't change his word about you if you just receive it. It's great that we don't have any record of Peter being offended. Peter just shut up. He was like... He just went into the void of everyone else. He was like, and waited for an opportunity to work that out. Like, he handled it. So, Jesus rebukes Satan, and he'll do the same thing in your life. He'll rebuke the situation, but he does not change his promises and his words to you. Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. Because this is where I'm talking to those that know, they know something. They know that God has placed something in them. They know that God has a plan for them. They know that they weren't born by accident. That they know there was a reason. There's a season they're going to step into that God is going to place them where they're supposed to be. And they're going to do and they're going to say what they're supposed to do and say. I'm talking to the people that have heard the voice of God. I'm not talking to people that want to be a pastor because they think that that'll be good. And I don't want to talk to people that want to be missionaries because they think that's cool. No, I'm talking about people that heard God. If you have a vision from God, you had to get it from God. And if God has put something in you, that should be protected, that should be covered, that should be fought for, that should be held on to. You don't throw away the things God says to you. Situations, every devil, every satanic attack, every work of witchcraft tries to tell you to throw away the promises of God. Why do you think the devil wants you to get rid of what God said? Because what God said in you will change everything. You have to look back and go, hey, wait, did God tell me anything? You go, it's 10 years later. Forget it. Did God tell me anything? Do you remember being in the place of prayer and the voice of God spoke to you? Do you remember waking up from a dream and God spoke to you? You were going to work and you were thinking about nothing, but suddenly the voice of God came to you and God spoke to you. And you might say, man, I'm so far from that. Let all of that distance die today and go back to the precious blessing that God told you something. Amen. And so Isaiah 55, 11. Isaiah 55, says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I want to tell you something for the people that have a word. God's promises over your life will not return to him void. You should just like like a bulldog like lay hold of that. Like, understand that what God told you will come to pass. I'm not swinging crazy doctrines. I'm telling you something that if you'll receive it, it'll be. If you'll take it, you'll have it. If you'll believe it and receive it, you'll see it. What God has said to you. Some of you have words about Places and people and industry and ministry and come on, even just little things. You see spouse and you see children and you see grandchildren and you see house and you see a call of God and you see the blessing of God and you see, you know, you see all these things. Not because you want, it's because he said it. And you say, my life looks nothing like that. Let's kill this life and let's go back to the one where he said it. Let's go back to how fired up you were when he said it. Do you know I've noticed the devil will try to rob you of things? Because I remember being here one time, many, many, many years ago. Many years ago. I was in a meeting and we had closed the meeting with prayer. We were praying for people one on one. And there was this man right here. And he was probably like 27. And the Holy Spirit touched him. And I didn't expect it. Like, I mean, I had no expectation. He started dancing. Back then, he started dancing. And he's so happy. And he's not like that. He's very reserved and he's very proper and he's a skeptic about everything. But suddenly, he's dancing. And he said, i got to tell you something. He's crying. And he says, I just heard the Lord tell me I was called to be a pastor. And I'm like, if you knew what that meant, you wouldn't be dancing and shouting. But anyway, but <laughs> but all right. But when he said it, it was so real. I was like, whoa, I, that's, I can see it. I can taste it. I can feel it. That's the Lord. Then because of a woman in his life, uh, in one moment, he threw away everything. Today, he's an atheist that actually... Lives to destroy this ministry. It's kind of odd, like it's weird. It's like, how did you not mature after all these years? And he hate hates 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 Christianity and hates hates God and hates people. That be, I mean, it's wild. Hates hates has such hatred. And all I can go back and just think to myself is, God gave him a word. The devil is attacking that word, and he doesn't understand that the problem in his life is that the word didn't die. The bitterness, the hatred, the anger, the running, the frustration. It's because when God tells you something, he's like, no, I demand it to work. And you will live a living hell. And you will live in total despair. And you will live in hopelessness. And you will live in breakdown. And you will go through depression. And you will go through suicidal thoughts. Because when God tells you something, he's not joking. And you wonder, how can people go so far from the Lord? They're running from what's inside of them. And they can run the entire globe and they'll never get away from what they know that word will be like a fire within them that burns holes in their stomach. It'll cause them to cry at night. It'll cause them to scream in the morning. It'll cause them to get no sleep or no rest. And all the time, they'll be pointing it at everyone around them. But the truth is, they've got something in their belly that won't die. You're at least on the right side of things. You're like, well, I want the word. Okay, well, let me tell you something. That word inside of you will not return void. It will accomplish what God has called it to accomplish. Go to Ecclesiastes. give you two more scriptures. Ecclesiastes 3.14. This is a solid word right here. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. I just want to say that again. I know whatever God does, he does forever. It shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. A true word from God cannot be altered or changed. A a true word from God. Man, when He speaks and you hear it, you're in danger because it can't be altered. You can try to disobey it, but I'm telling you, that word still has a mission. It still has an agenda. And your life is going to be miserable until you come in line with that agenda, until you start submitting to that mission. Now, the truth is about God is when you finally submit, it's a lot of pleasure. Because when God spoke it, you didn't hate it, you heard it. You were like, yeah, like. It's times, it's the problems, it's the breakdown, it's the sin, it's the mess up. It's the, that's what makes you have bitterness about it. But God is calling you back to, hey, let's start over. Let's go back because the word cannot be changed. Amen. Amen. You're not going to arm wrestle God out of what he said. Because to even come at him and say, I don't think that's right. You're telling him that he was wrong when he told you something that you know you needed. It is not possible to alter what God told you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jeremiah chapter 20. I'll end here. Jeremiah 20 verse 9. This is Jeremiah. He tried to do what we all tried to do. Sit on the word. And it says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. I could not stop talking about what God put inside of me. That even when I tried to run from it, even when I tried to quit my assignment, my assignment didn't quit me. Even when I tried to run from the message, the message was still haunting me when I slept every night. Even when I tried to never, I know I'm not going to preach for souls anymore. No, I'm not going to preach for the sick. I'm not going to heal the sick anymore. I'm not going. It still came to me. I want to tell you a true story. When my father died, I was upset that he died of cancer. Let me tell you. I wasn't upset at him. I wasn't upset really people. I was upset because he wasn't supposed to die. Cancer is not from the Lord. He doesn't need to be taught anything. Are you kidding me? Cancer is a devil. It's trying to ruin your life and your generations to come. And after that, I remember being kind of broken. And I said, I don't even want to pray for sick people anymore. I'm sick of sick people. I don't want to pray for sick people because I watched my father die. And I had one of those low, like despair moments. And guess what God did? God made sure there were so many sick people around me. I would go to the meetings and people would come up for prayer. I didn't ask people to come up for prayer. They would catch me before I walked out. I need prayer. What about, well, I have, ah, uh, not another physical issue. And then it'd be like, well, I have this problem. I had this problem. And I would have to lay my hand. In those moments, people got healed when I didn't want to pray for sick people. I didn't want to pray for healing. I didn't want to lay hands on people. And yet when I laid hands on people, the anointing would show up and they'd get healed. And I would actually walk out kind of frustrated. And it took me until I finally got to this point. i like, Lord, why, why, why do you keep sending sick people to me? He's like, because I told you to heal them. The word hasn't changed. He's like, I don't care what you feel about your dad. Who you? Boo-hoo, get over it. I told you to heal the sick. I told you to preach the gospel. I told you to do these things. If you try to run from it, they'll chase you. You don't want to preach the gospel, I'll make sure lost people come to you every other day and say, help me, I need I need Jesus. If you don't want to lay hands on the sick, he'll send all the sick people to you. I need healing. What do I do? I heard you're a preacher. I was getting on a plane one time and during this exact season, and I was just tired of it. I had just got done preaching someplace. And to be honest with you, I walked out depressed. I went there, I preached, I did what I was supposed to do, and I'm like, I just want to go home. And I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk to anybody. I get on a plane in North Carolina. I had a stop in North Carolina over in Charlotte. I get on the plane I've taken two steps, and I hear someone, I don't know this person. They say, Pastor Cletus. I didn't go, yes. I went, ah. And I kind of dropped my shoulders, and they said, Pastor Cletus. And I turned around, I was like, hey. And they were like, you don't know me, but I've been so blessed by your ministry. I've been listening to your podcast for years, and what do I do? I have to say, thank you, Jesus, because I'm trying to run from all this right now. I'm ty- and you're making sure that it's not going to be good for me until I do what you told me to do. Bless His holy name forever. Amen. <laughs> you can't get out of what God said. He's trying. He's trying. You can you can run and you can run and He will find you. Amen. I have a friend who's been in ministry for probably forty something years now. He had a really bad situation go down, and he was going to run to the hills. And he was going to run. He went to Colorado and he went to the hills of Colorado. Who, who knows this kind of stuff? And he goes he goes and rents a cabin in the hills of Colorado, and he's like, God, I'm so mad at what happened and all these things. I'm quitting. And so he went to bed angry, and he says, I'm done with ministry. I'm finished. He's a prophet, a true prophet. I mean like a serious true prophet. I'm done, Lord. I'm done. I don't want to prophesy. I don't want to hear anything anymore. I'm going to bed, whatever. Middle of the night, there's a knock on the door. It's another prophet that he hadn't seen for many years. In the middle of the night, heard the Lord say, so-and-so is in this place. Go get him. He's running from me. Knocked on the door. He said, I opened the door, and I was like, Jesus, like, <laughs> like, are you kidding? He said, the man came in and said, the Lord told me to come, and I guess I can't leave until you come home with me. <laughs> and in that moment, he said he was upset. He was angry, but he said, you can't run from God. Like, you can't get away from what God told you. And he's still a prophet to this day. Yeah. He's an awesome man of God, actually. Jeremiah 20, though, it says, could not. I, I was weary of holding it back. I pray, that you get, I pray that you get weary holding back the word of God over your life. I pray you get no rest until you say what he says and do what he does and and fulfill the assignment on your life. I pray that it's just miserable for you and everyone around you until you just say yes to the call of God. I pray that it's just tough and it's difficult and it's just like nothing else will do. It's like no paycheck will ever make it just enough. It will always be problematic until you finally do what God told you to do. I pray that the car you're driving just doesn't last like it's supposed to last. I pray your bills get too much to handle until you fulfill fulfill the word of God over your life. I pray that your family gets sick of you and gets irritated at you. That they get tired of your voice until you fulfill what God has called you to fulfill. I pray life just sucks until you handle what God has given you. Amen. You say, Pastor Cleo, you're not supposed to curse people. Okay. You know what? It's not my fault you're stupid. I'm trying to correct you. There's, there's a place, I'll just end with this. If God has given you a word, it cannot be held back forever. It will arise. If he's told you something, you will not be able to conceal it. God will send people to pull it out of you. You might be in this room today and you're like, oh man, make this sermon stop. Yeah, I've been sent from the Lord. I've been sent to cause problems for everything that's hindering the word on your life. Because if God has given you a word, you don't have the ability or the lifespan to hold it down. You can try everything you want. It will arise. It will chase you down. It will haunt your dreams until you do what God has told you to do. For all the promises of God over your life are still yes, and they are still amen. Amen. It's not over. Say it's not over three times. Come on. It's not over. It's not over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, it's restart season and it's start over season. Amen. And so you're living from before everything went sour. Okay. And I declare a sweet future over you. As you step back and get the axe head, you start working again, and you start doing again. You start doing everything he told you. I declare a sweet future over you. I just want to say that where there's been bitterness, I declare a sweet future over you. Where there's been fear, I just declare peace over you. As you pick up the axe head, as you pick up the tools that God's given you, as you reaffirm and begin to confess again the words God's placed inside of you, I declare a sweet and peaceful future. It's not going to be hard like it was last time. Actually, you're going to arise in strength like you've never walked in before. I just want to declare that of you. Spiritual strength in your belly like never before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's close and let's receive an offering. Let's sow a seed today that tells the Lord, thank you. Let's sow a seed that tells the Lord we believe him. Let's sow a seed and tell him that he's wonderful. One thing I will tell you this is you come in a meeting like this, and I said this Friday, I say this in kindness, I say this nice, I say this no hidden agenda, but really there's no church like Deliverance Bible Church. There's, no, there's nothing like this. Like you gotta be honest sometimes, you know like there's like we go to a lot of ministries, we're connected to a lot of ministries and been to some amazing meetings that have changed our lives this This is like conference ministry every week, like we don't believe in taking tiptoe steps, it's like why wouldn't we just go all in, why wouldn't we just you know like and I'm amazed by it every time. And I'm amazed by what the Holy Spirit does. And I, I'm amazed at this this little place. And and here we are. And and the Holy Spirit himself jumps in and, and he sets the captive free. And he, he changes lives. And it's so free. And it's so, so simple. And when I walk out of meetings like today, I think to myself, there's no cost that would be too great to sow into that. Because I want to see it again. I don't want to see revival for an afternoon. I want to see it again and again and again and again and again. And so today, I think, number one, every time you sow, you reap. Every time. There's no joke. Every time you sow, you reap. Every time. Every single time. There's always a harvest for every seed. It'll, sometimes they'll, ta- they'll overtake you, and sometimes they come in pieces, but there's always a harvest. You can trust God. You can trust God with every seed you ever sow into the kingdom. And so today, as you give, you're blessed. As you give, you're prospered. That's fact. That's fact. If you say, well, I think you're trying to take my money, take whatever you're going to give here and give it someplace else because we don't want your stingy money, okay? But I'll tell you to test the waters and see if God will answer it. So you don't have to give it here. You can give it someplace else, and you can sow for a harvest. But if you go to this church and you know how things work, sow here and see a harvest, see a breakthrough. But on top of that, I just want to encourage you, sow like a thank you, God. We love your presence offering. Like, Father, thank you that you're so open to meeting with us every week. Because Friday and today just felt like restart to me. And it showed me that everything we've seen so far was like really small in comparison to what's about to happen. And so let's all stand. And I want you to sow, I I actually encourage you to sow two offerings. Sow one as a seed. I know I'm not talking about your tithe. If you're tithing, go for it. Like that's, that's fine. But sow a seed that's like, Lord, here's what I'm believing for. And then sow a seed and call it revival in souls. We want to see more revival. We want to see more souls won. You say, well, how much? That? There's no numbers on these. Uh, but I want to encourage you to sow two seeds above your tithe today. And so you can start bringing your, your tithes and offerings. You can give online. You can give with our ushers, with your debit card. You can give cash your check on the, on the altar. Most people, they stand there and they work the app. Hallelujah. And I'm going to pray for you. Father, we just ask that you bless each one. Bless each one. Increase, increase in a mighty way. Amen. Increase in a mighty way. Bring breakthrough, prosperity, overflow. Father, I pray that you just give them sudden money this week. Come on, that's a good prayer. Father, just bring sudden sudden money. I just keep seeing that, suddenlies of money. Sudden money. Sudden increase, sudden, sudden money. Everyone just say that a few times. Sudden money coming to me. Yeah, yeah. If money's bad, quit your job. If money's so bad, why do you work so hard to get it? If money's bad, why do you complain when you don't have it? Yeah, come on. Everyone just say, sudden money coming to me. This week coming to me. This week coming to me. This week coming to me. Hallelujah. Father, bless your people. I pray that you bring increase to each one prosper them, keep them healthy. Lord, bless their lives, bless their home, bless their future. Father, I thank you, Lord. They're the head, not the tail. They're above, only, not below. No weapon formed against them prospers, but Lord, you're prospering them in all things. You're working all things out for their good. The call of God on their life is arising. It's working. Father, thank you. Your hands upon them mightily. Increase the anointing on each one and use them for your glory this week. In Jesus' mighty name, I declare favor i declare blessing i declare favor i declare blessing i declare favor i declare blessing in jesus name hallelujah give the lord a shout amen amen you guys be blessed be blessed be blessed